0: Attack on your solar rights are back hello out there in podcast world this is renew gurus coming to you live on tape from the palatial renew missouri studios big treat philip frisica our producer is in studio
1: hi philip hello it's great to have you here great to be here and you know I'm kind of sad. People are going to know where I'm coming from for once. But oh, I'm happy to be in the office. I think we've done this before, where you've been here and we've recorded it, and I've said like
0: we're from North Columbia and everything yeah. else, um, maybe. But it's good that you're here. Yes. Okay. Um, let's get down to it. I oh I, I forgot to to leave out our uh, our, uh, our our tagline. Your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. <laughs> I'm Executive Director James Owen of Renew Missouri. So, folks, uh, big news: the legislature—they're back. <laughs> yes, they are. They are back. Um, we uh, we had kind of a weird session uh, in 2020. Philip, uh, like everything else with 2020, it was fractured. It was on hold for times. Um, you know, everything was going relatively normally until the first of March. Uh, When in mid-March, the legislature shut down over coronavirus and they came back in late April. They came back in late April um, after they'd taken this time off um, and they passed, uh, you know, they passed, they put a bunch of bills together. They had been contemplating at the beginning of the session because, you know, the the beginning of the session had, you know, kind of worked normally. And, um, you know, we had hearings and there's things we liked and things we didn't like and there were things we were trying to push um, and then at the end, by the end, really nothing energy-related got passed um, in, in what ended up being kind of a truncated session because um, because it just wasn't a priority. Uh, there was a gas bill uh, that affected um, some of the investor-owned utility gas companies in Missouri uh, that was in response to a Western District Court of Appeal case, which I believe we talked about. That was an ISRAs case. And I think – oh, no, it wasn't – we didn't talk about it on this podcast. We did a webinar about it. Yes. Which, by the way, in case you're listening to this on Thursday, December 17th, we have a webinar tomorrow, February 18th, noon to one on equity, race issues, environmental justice uh, with our good friend Justin Eidelberg of Eidelberg Consultants. Um, If you get a chance, we still have lots of slots and we would love to have your support and we would love to have you listen because I think it's going to be a really good webinar. Anyway, that was my point. I'm going to plug that again later. (laughs) Um, So there's only one thing that got passed that didn't really relate to renewable energy, didn't relate to energy efficiency. It just was kind of ended up not being a very productive year for anyone. So now, as you all know, we had an election last month. There are, yes, well, Philip is visually pointing at some maps we have here in our um, kind of our intern bullpen here at Renew Missouri, uh, we have put up the new uh, elected state reps, the new elected state senators. None of them, the new the new folks, have not been sworn in. There's going to be an inauguration. The first Monday of January, I think, is when that usually is, unless the first day is New Year's Day, which it's not this year. Um, so there's not going to be a ball. The legislature announcer will not be a governor's ball. There usually is a governor's ball where you know people who are virtuous and whatnot, wear tuxedos and get really hammered. They do. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Their Baptist churches would not be very proud of them. I can tell you that if they saw them in the Capitol. Um, So they have these new lawmakers coming in. So prior to that, uh, you can start filing legislation on December 1st. And boy, howdy, they have. As a matter of fact, it's been so busy that... um, on December 1st, uh, they were actually – they couldn't get everything up because there was a line wow. at the at the legislative uh, drafting office to file this stuff. So um, it was – there There's several. There were several pieces of legislation, including several pieces of legislation involving energy issues. Yes. And that's what we want to talk about today on uh, Renew Gurus. Uh, I took me – I buried the lead a little bit here, but I kind of want to get through all of that because – we do have pre-filed legislation, and um, we do have some things that we want you to know about because we need your help with it. Yes. Okay. Um, there's gonna. We'll talk about some of these smaller things, but I want to talk about the. I want to talk about these bigger things that I think demand your attention and that we need you to start making phone calls and making emails right now. Okay. So this is super important. All right. So first thing. Uh, I want to talk about is a a Senate bill, Senate Bill Two Hundred Two. That bill is has got like I think it's called like the Missouri Energy Savings, <coughs> um, like uh, Act. It's 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 a. Am I getting it wrong? It's not on there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I we should probably edit this out, but I'm just going to fly with it. Okay, it, okay. So Senate Bill Two Hundred Two is the securitization bill. You have heard us talk about securitization. That is basically a concept where you can create a bond out of an asset or a debt that is in uh, a utility, you know, that's a, that's a utility expense that they can't get rid of. It's, um, it's, you know, costs that might have been incurred from a natural disaster like an ice storm or a tornado. It can also be used for coal plants yes. and shutting them down.
1: And many other utility facilities too. It's been done all across oh. the country, all different types of projects. So we're kind of late to the party in and- getting this legislation in Missouri compared to some similar states. I think
0: I, I think I was on a phone call yesterday. I said 24 other states have this. I, I think that's right. Okay, so this is not a radical concept. This is something that we would kind of be right in the middle of, yep. where Missouri tends to like to be. Um, and I know that, like, say, Michigan does this, and they've done it pretty effectively. So, yes, it's basically a mechanism that the Public Service Commission can use to help utility companies uh, shut down their call plants. Okay, big, big news. Philip, you and I have been working on this with some of our friends over in RDC for a couple of years now. Yes. I think this is the third year this bill has been filed. This
1: is the first year it's been pre-filed. And there's some momentum with averagey around this policy and their sustainability transformation plan that they came out with a few months ago. They said this is going to be a key piece of them transitioning to be the utility of the future that they want to be. So that's going to be kind of interesting if, you know, they're really coming out in force and advocating for this. So we will see, but I would encourage all of our listeners, uh, if Evergy is not doing so, and if you're a customer to gently remind them that they have publicly committed to uh, advocating for this policy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because, I mean, for the past couple of years, yes, there have been environmental groups that are interested in this. There have been industrial consumer groups that are interested in that. I mean, we and we have a lot of friends in that world, and we have friends in that world because I used to work with um, consumer protection issues, uh, but we don't always see eye to eye with them on things. Um, but we do see eye to on, eye on this on this concept. We both like this. And the utility companies, I you know, I, I don't think I'm betraying any confidence to say that they've been a little ambivalent about this. It's not that they've been opposed to it, but it, it's kind of like revenue neutral. It doesn't make them a lot of money, so therefore it doesn't, from their perspective, it doesn't make sense, you know, on advocating for their shareholders sure. to push for something that's going to generate more revenue for them. Okay? I know that everyone thinks that that's not how this stuff should work, but that's how it works. Okay? So it's the reality. But what I think has changed recently, and we did talk about this on a podcast, was where Evergy did shut down a coal plant in Jackson County. Uh, at oh, no, that's no, that's in that's in Joplin, Asbury's in Joplin. Uh, the simply plant, yes. ah, yes, in eastern Jackson County, they shut that down, and there was a push by consumer groups and by uh, the public council for them to declare that as a regulatory liability which means that it was going to have to be used against them in their next rate case, potentially. Evergy fought that. They opposed it. We stayed out of that case because our opinion was, you know, they shut it down. However they book it, they book it. Well, Evergy lost that case. And I think, I don't know this for sure, but I think that's part of the reason that they're pushing for this, is because they want a mechanism that they can use to help shut these down. Because that's the other thing, too, folks. We sit here day in, day out, pushing the utility companies to adopt more renewable, to engage more in energy efficiency policy. The more we are successful with that, and I think there's an argument to be made that we have been successful with that. True? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Philip. So, <laughs> so, but in order to do that, they still have these coal plants. They still have assets that help them transport coal and transmit coal. You doing okay? Okay. Okay. Um, and they need and there's there's assets, there's still debt in those because like every other business, they go through a process of depreciation, which means, you know, as those as those things are used every year of their livelihood, there's still considered value, at least in a book somewhere, of that. And so if they just shut it down, they lose all that value. That cost has to go somewhere. That is either gonna go to the ratepayers or that's gonna go to their shareholders. Um, you don't want that to go to the ratepayers. They don't want it to go to their shareholders. So we need to come up with some other solution. This is the solution.
1: Yeah. And I mean, really, when our utilities are saying more and more that they realize that things are changing, that their generation portfolio needs to be one of the future, that this is a way for them to uh, easily or more easily get to more renewable projects on their books.
0: Which is what we want. Yeah. And so in order to help them do that, because we do want to help them do that. I know that there's a sense from some of our supporters that we need to have an antagonistic um, posturing with the utility companies. Trust me, we have that. (laughs) Uh, But this is something we all want. Yeah. And it's good for the utilities. It's good for our mission. It's good for the consumer group's mission. Mike Searplont, and I know I'm saying that name wrong. Forgive me, it's a little French. I'm pretty hickish, but he is a Republican senator from Lee Summit. Uh, it is um, well, holy cow, let me look at this real quick. Philip He's
1: nine. <laughs> Where's nine? Eight. At? He's eight.
0: We have Martin. Oh, he is eight. Oh, good heavens. OK. so if you live in Greenwood or Lee Summit. Or um uh Blue Spring uh, Blue Springs. Uh where else am I? My my eyesight's bad, Philip. Okay. What else is on here? Oh boy, everyone's gonna be mad we didn't do show prep. Lake Ladawana? Is that like uh,
1: Longjack Jack Oak Grove.
0: Lone Jack Oak Grove. If you live anywhere near those areas, he is your state senator. I would encourage you, I would encourage everyone here, but especially if you're in his district, to call his office. Or email him um, and tell him that you appreciate the fact that he's working on this. Because, you know, the thing is, you know, we we kind of sometimes focus on what we think people are doing wrong in the legislature. But we also need to tell them when we think they're doing something right. He's doing something right. Uh, His phone number at his office is 573-751-1464. Let me say that again. It's 573-751-1464. Or you can email him at Mike, M-I-K-E, dot C-I-E-R-P-I-O-T. That's what it says on his website, <laughs> at Senate.mo.gov. Let me do that again. M-I-K-E, dot C-I-E-R-P-I-O-T, at Senate.mo.gov. Get a hold of him, especially if he's your state senator, and thank him. Tell him that Senate Bill 202, Senate Bill 202, is good for the utilities. It is good for the environment, and it is good for uh, utility bills.
1: It's good on all those things. There really aren't many losers that we're seeing out of this, and that's... Something that you don't always get in Jefferson City. So this is one where he can be the hero of it and everybody comes out better.
0: Let me tell you something, Philip Forsica, producer, KC regional director, potentially soon-to-be campaign director if we get the money for it. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. I had no idea. Five years ago, I started doing utility work. Uh, I had... You know, you would read stuff about this in the paper. But I'm from I'm from Springfield. There's a municipal utility down there. It didn't get a lot of ink down there, some of these issues. Um, so I didn't really know how controversial all of this was. And I, I think a lot of people would tell you that before 2009, it wasn't as controversial as it is now. And in 2009 is when you start having the issues with the Noranda plant down in southeast Missouri and its fight with Ameren. Ameren was trying to push the uh, Quip legislation We'll get to that in a second. Um, and that just made everyone real calcified in in their either opposition to utility efforts. And it certainly made the utility efforts such, you know, they had to take more of an antagonistic posturing with some of these other groups because it just became very, it just became, it became really, really rough. Um, and so, I, I mean, I kind of walked into this work right in the middle of all that and. Um, Sort of surprised. (laughs) I'll confess it was surprising to me. All right. So the fact that, yes, our group, the consumer groups, the utility groups agree with this and think this might be good for the state. That's a big deal. Yeah. So, I mean, yes. I mean, so the fact that this, uh, that Senator Sirpont, I don't know. I forgive me in advance. I think he's doing a good thing with this. Definitely. Now, I should also distinguish, Philip, you and I and Tori a couple weeks ago talked about you trying to retire cooperative coal plants. That's not covered by this. Correct. Right, because they are not regulated by the Public Service Commission. Right. Okay. So, um, that's uh, that's that's important. Now, another, another bill I want to talk about, another Senate bill that I think is good uh, that you need to be talking to your lawmakers about is uh, Sen- uh, Senate Bill 249. Um, That is filed by Eric Burleson, Senator Eric Burleson. He represents the um, 20th. I almost got that mixed up with the 30th, but he represents the 20th district. If you live anywhere in Greene County outside of Springfield, where you live in Christian County, I know this one, Philip, don't worry, I don't need to look at the map. (laughs) This is where I'm from, this part of the state. Um, Senator Burleson represents that area. It's a little, it's a little iffy around the borders of Springfield where that is, but I mean, generally speaking, that the city limits of Springfield is the thirtieth, and then, um, and then the twentieth is like the donut hole around it. Okay, oh. so Eric Burleson, this is the second year he's done this. He has filed a bill that would prohibit homeowner associations from prohibiting solar panels. So it is a restriction on a restriction. What it means is, um, you know, because we get a lot of phone calls about this. We actually litigated a case about this earlier in the year, settled it for a uh, for a family down in Taney County. Um, the Rokars, Nick Rokar, sent an email out to all of you back in August about uh, the success of that. Um, you know, so basically, a lot of HOAs um, have covenants and restrictions that you sign when you when you when you buy a house there that says. Uh, what you can do with your house, what you can do with your property, et cetera, et cetera. Well, some of them have real vague rules on solar. Some of them have like rules where you say you can't do it at all. Um, sometimes they set a thing saying anytime you do anything different to your house, it's got to go to this committee, and then we have discretion whether to approve it or not. That's usually how those work, and those that's usually problematic because there's a statute, as some of you. No, I think we've had a – I actually think we did a whole podcast about this where there's a there's a statute that declares your right to produce solar as a solar right. Yes. Okay. Um, It's 442040. I'm doing that off the top of my head. Sorry, no show prep on that one either. <laughs> uh, but it's, it creates a solar right. Now, like any other property rights, it's one that you can often contract away. If you know what you're signing, if it's properly defined, so, you know, like I think I've seen only a handful of uh, HOA um, restrictions or covenants that actually kind of define what type of solar panels you can have. And look, I mean, if it's that specific, usually you have to follow it, okay? But if it just says none, or if it says like, well, you know, take this to our architectural control committee, usually there, there's a there's an argument to be made that you can't um, do that, okay? So what Eric Burleson's bill does is said they can't do that. I mean, you have to have, I think what what it says is you have to have reasonable restrictions on it, which is fine. I mean, that's a little bit of wiggle room, but that's better than just letting them do it. I mean, then we have to go to court and do all of that and everything else. So, Eric Burleson, Senator Eric Burleson, who I know a lot of our more progressive, more liberal uh, listeners probably disagree with him on a lot of different topics, but I will tell you this. I've talked to him about energy policies. I've known Eric Burleson like 12 years now, about 12 years now, when he first ran for state rep back down in Springfield, and I think he's a good guy. Um, I don't, I don't agree with him on a lot of stuff, and I think that he would probably say he doesn't agree with me on a lot of stuff. But on this issue about uh, property rights and people being able to do whatever they want to, uh, to you know, help control their energy independence, he is, he's a big fan of. Yeah. So again, Eric Burleson, <laughs> especially if you live in his district, if you live in the 28th district. You can call him at 573-751-1503. That's 573-751-1503. Or you can email him at... Oh, he doesn't have that up. i got to look this up. Hold on. I want to say it's just Eric uh, E-I-O. Well, what is this? Oh, he's done... Okay, I see what he's done here. Um... Okay, so he okay, so what he wants you to do, it looks like, is he wants you to go to his um his uh his Senate uh page. Uh, okay, I'm gonna explain this in a second. Sorry. More show prep I should have done. Um so you need to fill out a form Got it. to do that. Um and if you go to if you just go to Senate.mo.gov and you type in Eric Burleson. You'll find them. Or better yet, here's what you should do. This might be fun if you're just listening to this all together. Type in your zip code. Find your lawmaker. I, I don't think pe- sometimes people don't know who their lawmakers are. We talk about president all the time. We talk about kind of these like kind of flashy national figures all the time. But the people that really have a big impact on your life, on your day-to-day uh, dealings, we don't know as well. You should get familiar with them. You should talk to them about all these bills because, I mean, whether they're the sponsor or not, I mean, like I said, uh, Mike Sierpont is the sponsor of the securitization bill. Eric Burleson is the sponsor of this anti, anti-solar. anti <laughs> I'm trying to find a catchy way to talk about that. I think we call it the, the, the home, uh, solar bill of rights or the solar yep. homeowners bill of rights or something like that. And I think that's still kind of long.
1: I mean, it's also a real problem. I mean, we didn't really get into that, but we know from solar installers that they've lost a ton of potential contracts and installations because of this. They, you know, homeowner wants to do it. It's a great deal for everybody involved. And then they just can't do it at the end because the red tape. So this would really be an economic driver for our state too.
0: Well, it would be a good driver for solar installers and it would be a good driver for customers and
1: homeowners, homeowners.
0: Yeah. And homeowners. And the reason I didn't get into it, Philip, is because I've already done a podcast about it. Yeah. I tr- I mean, I know I have to repeat a lot of stuff on here because uh, we deal with complicated stuff. It's really weird. You don't think about it every day. So I'm trying to be educational for like the 30, 40 people who listen to this. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really push this one because this is really important. Um, but no, Eric Burleson, go to his uh, go to his webpage and fill out the form. Go to the contact page. And the reason he does that is because he has a notice on it because of Amendment 1, which I think that's changed if, if, if the Amendment 3 passed this past fall, Amendment 1, you know, basically says that any communication that you have with your state rep or your state senator can be subject to the Sunshine Law. So he has a disclaimer on there. And then he wants you to agree that you understand that before you email him. Okay? I mean, look, that's true. I mean, I think some people – I mean, and listen um, – I tend to think that like having open records for your lawmakers is a good thing because uh, they do get a lot of emails from lobbyists telling them how to vote and how, what to say. and that has always been a problem. And so now they don't do that, which is precisely why when you go to the capitol now and you have lawmakers get up and I'm not saying anyone in, in, in particular, but you get up and say like, uh, I don't really know about the details of this, but there's going to be other speakers who come up and know more about this. It's because they don't know because they did they filed this on behalf of some lobbyist and because they can't articulate it, it's because they don't have a script in front of them. Yep. Because if they did, that would have to be part of public record. Yes. Phil, have you ever seen anything like that on the floor of the
1: House or Senate? I have literally seen that in committee hearings. So yeah. Yes.
0: We don't want to say any names. Yep. They know who they are. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, so you need to email Eric Burleson and, and, and sign on that, and then you can send that to him. Call him. Call him. And like I, again, I should also point this out: even if you don't talk to your state senator or any of these other, these, these other folks, um, you talk to their staff. Their staff gets this to them. Their staff is really knowledgeable on these issues. Their staff will help formulate the office's position on these things. Yeah. So do not feel reluctant about that at all
1: right it matters and it does they might not get back to you personally but at a minimum you're going to be a tally for a yes or no column or yeah. a, on the bill so i mean it still helps if there's momentum around something yeah that's right
0: okay um okay so sorry we were just talking off mic kind of okay now i don't want to paint all of this as optimistic <laughs> I've actually been pretty good about talking about the things we like. And there's other things that we like, but those are kind of smaller things. This is what you should worry about. This is a big one. And if you're a supporter of this group, you know about this issue. Uh, Senate Bill 178. I suspect I'm going to be saying that number a lot this year. That was filed by Senator Justin Brown. He is from Rolla. He represents an area that includes... Oh, geez. Let's see. I'm actually looking at it. It's a really big one. Canada County, Pulaski County, Phelps County, Dent County, and Crawford County. So if you're in like kind of south-central Missouri, um, that includes Fort Leonard Wood, that includes Waynesville, Canton, Lake of the Ozarks, uh, Steelville, Salem, etc. cetera. Right? That's that area. I got Ken Folk from there. I know that area pretty well. Um, he has filed this bill. And this is the bill that would allow utility companies to put a, a a distribution charge if you're a solar customer. That means, yeah, we know we don't like it, Philip. I mean, so basically what that means right now is like utility companies want to be able to charge uh, a kind of basically, for lack of a better word, like a, a bill for you to use the grid and for you to create your own power um, and they want to be able to do that. And under Missouri law right now, they can't. Um, this would change that. So if you were a solar customer or you were looking at being a solar customer, uh, it that is what this would do. Now the proponents of this, who are utility companies? Who are the cooperatives? Who are the investor-owned utilities? Who are the municipalities? Well, because by the way, Philip, I believe you are sitting in, is this public? Can I talk about this? But This Columbia thing? So that was brought up last night in the Columbia IRP meeting that you attended.
1: Yes, it was. Where
0: they wanted to put a distribution charge on solar in
1: Columbia. Uh, didn't formally recommend it, but it was in a presentation. It was week. brought up. Yes.
0: So that's not good. Yeah. And then probably by some people who didn't realize that you can't do that currently under Missouri law. Correct. All right. If that goes any further, we'll, we'll talk more about it, but I think Philip's on the case. Yes. But but this bill would change that. The utilities would say, oh, well, this is our grid. This is our equipment. You know, it's, it's being used to help produce this power. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Because here's the other thing that they don't tell you about that is, okay, so under current law right now, they can buy, like, if you make more power than you use, they have to buy it back up to a certain amount. Yep. And they get to buy it from you at a wholesale rate for any avoided costs, then they can resell it at a retail cost and make money off of this. And here's the thing we don't know, because this is the thing we don't know from investor-owned utilities or co-ops or municipalities. We don't know what the true value of solar is on the grid. Now, the Public Service Commission, about a month and a half ago, and this is substantial, and I think we've tried to talk about this a little bit in our re-news, has ordered the investor-owned utilities to do a value of solar study big deal. That's a very big deal that we've got that. Yeah. And they're working on that right now. And we're working on making sure it's done correctly. Yep. Uh, co-ops are not a part of that. But what I think if you actually look at the numbers, they're going to it's going to show that it does not cost them what they say it costs
1: them, especially at the scale that it's currently at. I mean, they're right. not there are a few hundred solar customers across all the co-ops in the state of Missouri. Yeah. So <clears throat> we're not nevada we're not arizona we're not california we're not hawaii so we don't have a huge penetration of solar it's still pretty small compared to other states that have a really large industry presence so it's not really a problem yet
0: yeah the reality is they don't want you making power because they want to make power and they want to sell it to you yep that is the motive behind this it is not because oh it's unsafe or it's problematic i mean i know they have hearings and they bring like you know people who run fire districts in rural areas and talk about what a fire hazard this is. Folks, look it up. I can promise you, you will not find any cases where a solar panel has caused a fire. But they say that it might. But the other thing too about that is, like, what the law requires now is you've got to have an engineer come in. And look at this. Your system has to be approved by the co-op. For them to say it's not safe really puts an emphasis on them that they're not ensuring it's safe. Yeah. This is just about money. And it is is just about getting rid of your ability to control what your utility bill looks like and to limit your energy independence. That's what this is.
1: Well, and to make matters worse, as you can see... What worse? From our rural electric cooperative studies that we have put online, which if oh, you haven't yes. looked at, please yes. look into. They're quite yeah. interesting. They will send that out again. Yeah. Okay. Well, as, as part of that, we are, we being Associate Electric, uh, running our cooperatives in the state as generation and transmission co-ops for our 43 distributive cooperatives across the state of Missouri... We are in the top five worst actors for our reliance on coal. Mm. The coal in the state of Missouri isn't from the state of Missouri. The coal that we can mine here cannot be uh, burned due to issues it would lead to from pollution. Uh, so we're getting it all from out of state, primarily Wyoming. from Wyoming. Right. So because of that, it's not really helping our economy, while solar generation would. Uh, and again... We are one of the worst co-ops in our coal reliance, so we should not be stopping our little bit of solar from growing.
0: Very good, Philip. But I'd add this. all right, In addition to being a lousy source of power, I mean, you talk about this being out of state, it's expensive to transport it here. Yes. Uh, yeah. But to your point, it doesn't create a single job in the state. It doesn't create a single opportunity uh, for any kind of economic development in the state, whereas solar is one of the top... Jobs for, for, for growth yep. in the country, including Missouri. Yep. So basically, all we would be doing with this is shooting our economy in the foot. Yep. To, to flesh out the margins of the utilities over a couple of hundred customers through this massive swath of
1: rural Missouri where the co-ops operate. Meanwhile, our rate's are going to go up, cooperates are going to go up for member owners and this is a way that you can get yourself out of that situation that you were put in by your required utility and to generate your own power and save some money. Right, okay.
0: I mean, yes, there is an. I mean, in addition to the environmental argument here, there is a energy independence argument and an economic argument to make sure that you are not being um, restricted from what you're able to do with solar. This is not the risk, the, you know, this idea that somehow the solar systems that you have on your roof for a utility company is a drain on their grid is not verifiable by any facts. Yeah. The fact is they make money off of this, but they don't make the kind of money that they could because you're producing it yourself. They want to get rid of that. That is yeah. the purpose of this. We know there's some people who say like, well, shouldn't they... Uh, you know, be able to have those costs recovered. We don't, well, one, we don't know what those costs are. And two, that, I mean, that is beside the point. They just want to have a complete monopoly over this, over the source of power. That's bad. And here's the thing about 178. Here's the thing about Senate Bill 178. It has been filed by uh, Senator Justin Brown. That's where he lives. Again, if you live in those areas, you need to reach out to him and tell him what you think about solar, why it's important to you why it matters to your, 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 your utility bill or your business. Okay, here's the thing about him. Um, he has filed some pretty pro-consumer pieces of legislation in the past. Not stuff that's necessarily something that we've been interested in, but stuff that I, I think has been of the benefit of, like, industrial consumers and that sort of thing. So he is, like, what I would consider to be a pro-consumer um, uh, lawmaker. So, as a consumer you need to call him at 573-751-5713. That is 573-751-5713. Um, does he do this thing too? It says email the senator. Oh, he does do that. You got to go to his page. <laughs> I would almost bet you, though, with Eric Burleson and him, I bet if you typed in, Justin.Brown at Senate.Mo.gov. That'll be his email address. I think so. Yeah, Justin.Brown at Senate.Mo.gov. Um, or you can go to his website, his, his Senate page, and and send him a form. You need, especially if you're from one of those counties and you're a solar customer or you want to be a solar customer, or more importantly, if you're a solar installer listening um, to this and you, you, you work in those areas or that's part of where you put up solar panels, you need to let him know how important this is to the economy. To consumers. Heck, I think about Rolla and I think about all the, the, the research and developments that's done mm-hmm. at Missouri S&T on solar. they got a microgrid that like runs part of their student housing. Yep. That is probably, if you looked at anywhere in the state of Missouri, more is being done to advance solar technology, solar development, anywhere else in the state. Perhaps you could even argue in the Midwest. He's their state senator, and he has filed a bill that would curb the ability to proliferate solar in the state. You need to tell Senator Justin Brown that he needs to make sure that his reputation as a pro-consumer senator stays intact. Because he's good on this stuff. I think, I think probably he filed this on someone's behalf and was told it was not going to be a big deal and it wasn't going to have that big of an impact on people. But the reality is it does, and we need to educate his office on that. He's got a million other things he's got going on. All these senators do. Yeah. Energy is not, for some of them, is not like their biggest topic because there are things like education and roads and budget things. All these things take up their minds. Yeah. Utilities are tough. Utilities are complicated, and so they say, Okay, well, I'm going to rely on this kind of like this very small circle of people who have knowledge and expertise on this. Okay, so you need to be one of those people in his circle, especially if you're his constituent.
1: And if you aren't, and if you are and you can't do so, I would encourage you to donate to us since all of our lobbying has to be done through money we raise from our supporters. It can't be through our grant funding. So right. For everything that we're supportive of for us to be in support of it and everything we're opposed to, especially with this bad bill. We need your help. We also have new folks in the state house, some that don't know us. So we're going to have to spend more time to cultivate those relationships, get to know those new people. So that's also going to make it a little harder than it is in previous years. So again, if you could help us in our lobbying efforts, if you have not done so already, please go to our website, www.remote.org and consider donating.
0: And I also sent you an envelope <laughs> like a month and a half ago, Uh I know that some people wait till the end of the year. They, they have some days off in between Christmas and New Year's, and they're kind of looking at the financial situation, seeing what they can give. So when you're thinking about that, think about the fact that, yes, we need this money to lobby. Now, one thing I've done that I haven't done in the past couple of years is we did hire a contract lobbyist. I still would like to be in that building as much as I can, uh, but... I'm not going to lie. I don't want to be in there very much uh, because it, it's not safe.
1: Yeah.
0: So, like, you know, usually we're going to be you know, we be telling you to show up to this hearing, testify at this hearing. There's probably not going to be a whole lot of opportunities to do that this year. I'm just going to be straight with you. I mean, I, I, we've talked to some other lobbyists that we know. This session is going to be a lot of, like, probably starting and stopping. There's going to be, like, people are going to come in. A lot of them are not going to be wearing masks. I mean, I'm just telling you, that's that's the culture in that building with the lawmakers there and the staff. They're going to get sick. Things are going to get shut down. They're going to be shut down for two or three weeks. They'll try to come back. They'll do the same thing again. And I'm not sure how much is going to get accomplished. Because there's all these other bills, Philip, that I didn't mention about. Uh, There was the quit bill Mm -hmm. that Representative John Black, my old friend, filed. Uh, last year and this year, that would make it easier to build nuclear power plants. Big no on that one. Um, there is a bill filed by Senator Onder to uh, uh, to eliminate the sales tax from the sale of solar power. Big yes on that one.
1: Um, there's others. There's the uh, House Bill 145, Senate Bill 105. It's an anti-pace bill. Oh
0: yeah, uh, we will probably be spending a lot of time on that one because that is a that is that is a, a effort to overregulate pace. Which helps provide clean energy financing is overregulated to the point where it's no longer economically feasible to use. So it's very bad,
1: these and, that, bills. and that's really a shame. Because I mean, we're getting new uh, opportunities. We're going to have the pay-as-you-save pays, which sounds similar, Not but very pays, different, but pays that'll be offered yes. by all of our investor-owned utilities. Hopefully next year, 2021. So really, this is. A rural issue more so than it's ever been if we want rural communities have access to clean energy financing including energy efficiency they need pace and if it's more regulated it's going to be more expensive and it's going to take longer and more projects won't be viable
0: that's right okay we don't like that bill those bills they're the same bills filed in the house filed in the senate there's reasoning for why they do that but that's how they do it okay so um yeah, I mean, and there, I mean, and there's there's other bills. I mean, we'll probably do, I and mean, we'll probably be doing other uh, podcasts on them because I want to have some people in. Like, I'd like to have Ed Smith come in and talk about Quip. Um, I'd like to have some people come in and talk about the bill that would prohibit uh, cities and counties from banning uh, gas hookups. It's another anti anti bill, <laughs> um, and there and there's there's things like that. I mean. Um, but, those, I mean, I, but I would tell you right now, the securitization, the Homeowner Bill of Rights for solar, those are the two big ones that we'd like to see uh, pass. Yeah. Uh, the Senate Bill 178, listen folks, if you want there to be a solar industry in the state, if you want to have the option of solar, if you don't want to see your bill go up to where you're not saving any money from your solar array, we've got to stop it.
1: Yeah, and if you don't think uh, it's that big of a deal, I would just say to look at what some of our neighbors have had to deal with when they've had these charges come up in recent years. Uh, and yeah. It really hurt their industry, and it's not great for owners when their bill no longer is saving them money, and the payoff goes from 5 to 7 years to 10 to 15 years.
0: Yeah, Dorothy Barnett has been fighting the Lord's battles over there on solar, and, you know, I mean, it, it, it has been a struggle. To watch, We don't want that to be over here. And that and this would open the door to where utility companies would absolutely be able to do that. So, let's get it stopped, folks. We're trying to start this early. I know it's right before Christmas. You're probably not thinking about this legislative stuff, but you've got to think about this right now. You've got to start right now. If you've still got energy from the elections, if you're still thinking like, man, I wish I could give... Money to some candidate in South Carolina and Kentucky is gonna lose by 21. Folks, this is something we can win.
1: And we have been winning it and, and we, we your ha- help.
0: Good point, Philip. We have been beating this back, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and I mean that and that's the thing too. I mean, yes, I mean I understand it's tough. It is tough to go out every day and try to like convince people to fight against bad things when we're also trying to fight for good things. Right. I mean, like there's there's a couple of bills that we're working on right now that have not been filed yet that we are, you know, we think could be good, but they're not ready yet. And so, you know, this anti net metering bill, this is the same song and dance has been filed uh, the past um, several years. And it's so we you know, literally just changed the dates on it. And they just refile it. Um, so, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> so, I mean, anyway. So I, I just I, I just think that you know we we need to put our, our, our focus and our attention on these on these statewide things. I mean, like I said, if this is important to you, this is where the fight is. I mean, right now it is shaping out to where, in my opinion, the federal level is gonna be pretty good for at least the next four years on um, on renewable energy, on clean energy. I think there's gonna be a lot being done on that. So let's focus on this. If you need anything from me, you can email me at james at renewmo.org or you can even call me at 417-496-1924. That's 417-496-1924. My email address is in the uh, podcast thing. Philip, anything else you'd like to add?
1: Yes. Our CLE this Friday.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> on equity, uh, again, Justin Eilberg will be on there. It's on our website. It's on Eventbrite. Uh, CLE credits available. It's also just going to be a very great uh, content if you would like to learn more about uh, what we, we can love do the content to be equitable in our energy work so yeah. please check it out. Heck yeah, heck yeah good job Philip.
0: Um, so yeah and I mean also again uh, I'm going to make one more pitch you've got that year in envelope sitting on your desk uh, This is asking you to help, we need your help um we want to keep doing this work uh contract law lot of these are not cheap we've got a good one too i mean i think we got a we got a good firm uh it's got republican lawmakers former republican lawmakers former democratic lawmakers it's very well respected and well liked in that building so it was a i mean it's made people nervous that we fired them and i know you're listening the people that have been talking about why we hired them so i know that you've been talking about it um <laughs> So, so, so please help. Um, this has been James Allen, executive director of Renew, Missouri. Uh, I think we're going to have, um, we might, we might have another podcast before the end of the year. I think we will maybe. Um, so I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like harp on what a year this has been until we do that. We might do a year in review. That might not be a bad idea. Um, But I just want to thank all of you for your support. I want to thank all of you. You've all sent some nice emails about everything I've been going through. uh, And I think you've been very responsive to some of the things that we've been advocating for. We've we've gotten some good wins this year. Um, We have fought some really hard fights this year. We do that every year. But I will still say I think we've got the absolute best policy team working on these particular issues in the Midwest. And I want to keep that going. So... um, We're leaving you on that note. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time on the radio.